2 Corinthians 10. While you're turning, 2 Corinthians is right after first. <laughs> the next door. Now I, Paul, myself urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience wherever your obedience is complete. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider that this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I should boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, yes. I shall not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say his letters are witty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we, we are also indeed when present. Amen. And amen. Pray with me. Matchless, eternal, everlasting God, how awesome is your name in all the earth. And Father, we humbly come before your throne of grace, thanking you for another day, thanking you for a, another chance. And Father God, our prayer is that we will not waste it. I pray that this word is a seed that is plant, planted on good soil. Father, our prayer on this day that it would take root and produce fruit in us, fruit that is visible for us to see, but fruit that is visible for others to see so that all men may be drawn unto Christ. And now, God, I ask that I may stand behind the shadow of the cross so that Jesus and only Jesus be lifted up in this hour. Forgive us of any thoughts, words, or deeds that we have that are contrary to your will. Cleanse us, help us remove any baggage. Help us to hear from you clearly. We ask this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Tearing down strongholds. Tearing down strongholds. First, you must ask yourself, what would be a stronghold that I need to tear down? Because all strongholds are not bad. I truly believe that if you would look into the Psalms, David would say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? 
Now, if I listen to David, then I would understand and know that strongholds does not necessarily mean that it is something bad. For God should be your stronghold. But I'm here to tell you that many of us have replaced God on many levels in our lives. And it's not just young people who have replaced God as the priority, as on the throne. But it's young and old alike. And so I'm here to encourage you on today. I don't want to beat you up too bad. But I'm here to encourage you on today that there are some strongholds that you need to tear down. And I'm not only going to tell you to tear them down, I'm going to show you how. We're going to whip. Then we go nay nay. <laughs> strongholds. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset that is against the will of God that you feel as if you cannot change. And so you continue to live in it. Let me define it again for you. A stronghold is a mindset that is against the will of God, which means you know that God told you not to do it. But you keep on doing it. And because you keep on doing it, you're in a certain type of situation. And because you're in that situation, life looks bleak. And you say to yourself, I can never see me out of this situation. And so because I'm a Christian, I'm going to live a defeated life. I'm here to talk to somebody today. But that is not the mindset that Christ died for. That's not why Christ died. He said that I came, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, why would God want you to have life more abundantly tied, chained to a fence? Why would God come in the likeness of man to free you only for you to stay caged up? Makes no sense to me. And so, I said, Lord, what should I preach about? And then I was like, I had all these ideas of what I was going to speak on. And then God said, talk about your life. What better way? to reach the people than to talk what you know most about. I'm talking about a stronghold, a mindset that is against the will of God that you walk in knowing that God don't want you walking in it, but you feel as if this is you. And so I said, God, well, I want them all in my business. We just meeting. And God said, it ain't about you. And so then I shut up. And I realized that this conversation needs to be one way. And it's his way to me. 
See, a lot of times when we go to God in prayer, we need to understand, we understand that prayer is communication. But I want you to understand that anytime you are communicating with somebody, it's reciprocal. Any relationship where one person talks too much, And so I said, it is at this moment that God is telling me to be quiet. And so I sat. And I sat. And I sat with me. And some of us understand this, and young people, I want you to get to understand this. That a lot of us are afraid to sit in silence because the voices are so loud. Well, what voices am I talking about? I'm talking about the voices that are contrary to the will of God. Yeah. See, what you need to understand about a stronghold yeah. is that it didn't come from you. Come on. Yeah. Come on. The stronghold came from somewhere. The question is, where did the stronghold come from? I'm here to tell you, write it down, pull your phone out, double tap, click, click. You need to get this and hear what I'm saying. You only fall victim to a stronghold when you listen to the enemy's voice. Strongholds become strongholds when we adapt or adopt, when we adapt or adopt the enemy's mindset. Brother Calhoun, what are you talking about? Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I tell you what I'm talking about. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter number three. And while you're turning over to Genesis chapter number three, I'm going to give you a little bit of history of what I'm about to say. Now, a stronghold is a mindset that is against the will of God, and it's like, as if you cannot change or your situation will not change. And so God said, talk to them about your strongholds. Talk to them about strongholds that they can relate to. So we're going to talk about emotional strongholds. And emotional strongholds are feelings. So an emotional stronghold could be anger. Oh, I'm going to... Pull your toes back. Here I come. See, anytime that you are faced with opposition and your first response is anger, that ain't of God. You can tell a, a fruit, what the word tells us that we can tell a tree by its fruit, right? But you can tell a fruit by its juice. And the only way that you can get the juice out of the fruit is when you squeeze it. And my question is, if you keep walking around here talking about you are a fruitful child of God, but every time you feel, you feel or you're met with opposition and you give anger, I'm here to tell you that is a stronghold. It is an emotional stronghold. And it's against the will of now listen, I didn't say you're not, you won't be angry. What I said was, if every time you are met with opposition or pressure, your response is anger, there's a problem. 
emotional strongholds, anxiety, worry. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what today holds because of my bad decisions yesterday. Worry. I'm anxious all the time. I'm here to tell you that that is an emotional stronghold because God said, don't worry about tomorrow. Are y'all with me? Yes. Young people, are you with me? Yes. There's an emotional stronghold called depression. Yeah. Where when you get alone, the thoughts are so loud. Yes, <laughs> when you get alone, the enemy comes into your thoughts and he plays a rehearsal of all the bad decisions that you've made. And so you have a running play, a running sitcom of all the mistakes, all the bad decisions, and all the flaws that you have constantly running over in your head. And then with depression, you feel sad. Heavy laden. Emotional. Emotional strongholds. When we do what we say we weren't going to do, something that's with that is, 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 is called guilt and shame. And what you have to be careful of is this. You must understand that shame is nothing but pride turned upside down. Shame is pride. You thinking about worrying about you and your image turned upside down. So I did wrong. I spoke wrong. I behaved wrong. And now I got caught. And now I'm ashamed. Emotional stronghold. If you stay with me, I'm going to bless you. Now, I had you turn over to Genesis chapter number three for a reason. Now, what I want to tell you about this is that every emotional stronghold that you possess is directly connected to this thing called sin. Now, it's either your sin, somebody else's sin, or something that we would like to refer to as atmospheric sin. We understand the direct consequences or the influences of our own personal sin. I did this, and because I did this, this is the response. We understand that. You lie. You get caught in the lie. People don't trust you. Don't get mad, and don't be shocked. You sin. God don't like you lying. He said, stop lying. You keep doing it. Okay. I have a stronghold. I have a lying tongue. Loose it. Tear it down. Go down deep. Come back up. You, you, you. Can I be real? Yes. Young people, can I be real? Yes. T- tell me the truth. Can I be real? Yes. All right, so we, we out here. We out here having relations. Relations. Yeah. What kind of relations? 
Y'all remember the nutty professor? Shimmy gonna have relations. Shimmy gonna have relations. Shimmy gonna have relations. We know where relations are. So you out here having relations, and now you done ended up with a spiritual STD. And people don't tell you the truth, but the truth of the matter is, if you're out here slipping around, you're going to catch something that ain't easy to get rid of. It's called a soul tie. That's why it's dangerous to operate things that you don't have full working knowledge of. And remember when we talked about the car situation? See, your parents are always on your head because you think you know, but they really know the, and understand the dangers that are out there. See, even as a young minister of God, I thank God for elders who, who cover me and protect me because I may be going in one direction, but they're able to see multiple things. My, and it's not that I'm not equipped. It's not that I don't know. And it's not that I can't handle it. But it's something that we ought to get, and it's called wisdom. And you only get it at the council of wise people. So we out here sleeping around. I'm grown. I can do this. Mm. Yeah. And then, ooh. 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 Because the word tells us that when we don't check our thoughts, when we don't take captive the thoughts and give them to Christ, what happens is temptation come, takes over. And when temptation takes over, it turns into sin. Now we're doing it. Hey, hey, hey. And then it turns to death. Physical and spiritual. You better know it. You better know it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? See, the enemy wants you to just go on along with it. Come on over here. You got plenty of time to get it right because you know it's wrong. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming like a thief in the night, which means that you got to be on your P's and Q's because he can come at any moment. So one thing we know for sure is that we don't know when Jesus is going to return. But another thing that we don't know for sure is when you're going to take your last breath. So the truth of the matter is you ain't got time to play. And if we really real with our kids, seasoned youth, we will tell them and be real with them and be honest with them and let them know what we're struggling with so that they don't feel so isolated. Because the truth of the matter is, there's nothing new under the sun. So, going back to Genesis. In the Bible, in chapter 2, verse 25, you're at 3, but in chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they was naked. 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 
Man, they ain't had, they had nothing on. Just free. You know how we're free in Christ. They were free. They were free in the garden. Yeah, kid. But then we go over to chapter number three. And the Bible says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the animals that the Lord had made himself. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Listen. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not even touch it, or you will die. We're going to go down deep. We're going to come up real quick. Let me tell you something. Look, watching the time. I got to go. Watch this. The enemy comes, and you cannot believe a lie unless it's sandwiched in truth. So what happens is, and you got to understand this, please get this, I want you to be blessed and I want you to be free. The enemy has been after you since you were born. When you were born, there were thoughts and ideas that the enemy tried to plant into your head even as a little kid. Growing up, saying that you are not who you really are. Since the beginning of time, the enemy has always been after the youth, and that's why the church needs to realize the value in the youth. See, here's, here's something. You put your money behind what you value. You invest in what you believe in. And so my question is, why aren't we investing in our youth like they matter? Because they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of right now. I'm going down deep. And so, here's what happens. Remember, just like Moses was put in the Nile, and the Nile was symbolic of destruction. See, the Nile is a dangerous river. You have to know the history. The Nile was full of, not lions and tigers and bears, but it was full of alligators and sharks. Not no sharks, ain't no sharks. Listen, it was dangerous in the Nile. Do your own research. It was stuff in there that'll get you. Just jump out and get you. It'll get you. There was stuff in the river. And the stuff in the river was trying to get to Moses. But God covered him. Right? Y'all with me? And so he went down the river and then got him. And then Pharaoh's daughter got hold. Right? And we understand the story how God worked it out, how his mama ended up raising him and all this other kind of stuff, right? But then Moses, his purpose was to lead God's people out. Right. His purpose was to lead God's people out of the rulership, the dictatorship, the slavery of Pharaoh. So what I'm here to tell you is there is a Pharaoh inside of you that won't let you go. And you have to tell that Pharaoh to let me go. So we're back in the garden because it all starts there. 
And so the serpent is speaking to Eve, and he's saying, did God really say you could not eat from the tree? Did he really say that? Then he goes on to say, you know what? God is just jealous, and he don't want you to be like him. But the truth of the matter is, God had already said, let us make man in our image, which means we are already like him. silly. So what we have here is the enemy speaking to the inner me, which is my enemy, because the enemy is my inner me. And then his thoughts, we adapt and adopt. And now what the serpent was once saying, Eve is saying. I will be like God. I will have control. I will have power. I will be able to do all the things that I want to do. And so she... She took a bite out of crime. But not only was Eve chewing on the fruit, she done wrenched over and handed. She wrenched around and gave it. She done set up and just turned over and handed it to Adam. Now, I want to share something with you about me, and this, is, this may be true for some of us. See, in the Church of Christ, we know the word, and we know doctrine. Other people even know we know it, right? And we're taught it from a young age. But I want to tell you young people to read the word for yourself. Because what happens is, over a period of time, your memory get a little crossed up. So now I had heard the story before, but I hadn't read it. Well, I read it once, but I didn't study it. And so I went off based off of what the minister said or what the people were saying. And so all this time, I'm like, yeah, Eve then took the apple, then went down the street and around the corner, gave it to Adam, and that's why women shouldn't lead. It's proof. It's in the Bible. God said it. The serpent deceived her, and then she went and deceived Adam. But if you look closely into the scripture, and then when I read it, so I just got this last week, when I read it, (laughs) the Bible said, and Eve partook of the fruit and she gave some to her husband who was with her. Blew my wig off, not back. Just bald head, just bald head in the spirit, just bald in the spirit. Let me tell you why. Because that's a message for us today. That men, we are here, but we're not present. 
You wonder why the women are stepping up and the women conventions are packed from, from, from the hills to the, to the valleys. Do you want to know why the women are always doing, doing, doing? And the question is, where are the men? We watching March Madness. Keep it up, it's gonna be March hotness. It's gonna be real hot. It's gonna be hot. I actually be present. What I'm saying is, be present. Everybody get in position. Men, step up and do what you're supposed to do. Men, step up and be the men that we are called to be. Mighty men of valor. Men with vision and power, men that are able to do things. Yes. yes, sir. You know, and, and sidebar, I'm gonna I'm just throw this in really quick. I just recently watched the movie called Us. And one thing that I got from that is you saw a man that wasn't in position, who was led and ran by a woman and this is us the church <laughs> you wonder why we're not growing you wonder why we're not becoming it's because we got a position so back to Genesis you have the serpent speaking his words the enemy Satan talking to Eve and now she has adapted and adopted his thoughts well, look what happens when we sin. After they partook of the fruit, here's what happened. Adam and Eve, their eyes were open. And they said, Woo, we is naked. <laughs> now, the chapter before, they were naked and everything was all right. Here we are in chapter three, they sin and now their eyes are open and now they're like, we is naked. And so God comes and while God is on the way, which you know God is always on the way because God is, God is everywhere, he saw what was going on. Listen, young people, this is what happens. When you sin, you become ashamed. And then you become afraid, right? So you're ashamed because you've done something that you knew that you should not have done. And then you become afraid because you feel like as if God is going to come after you. See, because you have this mindset that God is sitting on the throne ready to zap you. Zap, 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 zap. Every time you sin. Like we serve this God that is ready to destroy us at any moment. And deep down inside, that's what you really think. I sinned again. He sees me. He's going to take me out. So you become afraid and then you begin to hide. But the truth of the matter is, it's a lie of the enemy. Because you hide from the church. The one place that's supposed to help you heal. But before we get too excited, older, young people, let's not be so judgmental that when someone brings their flaws and their sickness to you, that you don't use that against them. Because the truth of the matter is, a lot of us are using other people's sins against them so that we can look better. But the truth of the matter is, stop looking at yourself and stop looking at other people and get your eye on Jesus. Talent. And so, 
in Genesis, you can see that fear and shame, emotional strongholds, are introduced. Now, as you continue to go forward and you get to chapter number three, there's a story of, I'm sorry, chapter number four, that was three. Chapter four, there's a story of Cain and Abel. Now, what happens in this story? Two brothers are working. Two brothers have responsibilities. Two brothers have jobs. And they both do their jobs. But let me tell you what happens. Abel brings an offering that God accepts because he brought it the way that God intended him to bring it. Cain brings an offering the way he think God should take it. And so God accepts one offering, he does not accept the other. And we have in chapter number four, the emotion of anger and jealousy. So now Cain becomes angry with his brother because God accepted his offering. And Cain becomes jealous of his brother because now his brother is elevated in the eyes of God. So now he's in a competition that he's losing in. Comparison kills. So now we have this emotional stronghold of anger and we have an emotional stronghold of jealousy and now opens the door of depression. Because God says, Cain, why is your countenance low? Depression. Do you see how the sins are directly connected to the stronghold? So we have these emotional strongholds that are caused by sin. It's either caused by your own personal sin, or it's caused by the sin of someone else, or it's caused by the atmosphere that you're in. Watch this. Brother Calhoun, how can I have a stronghold that's connected to somebody else's sin? Have you ever ran across a young lady who has a temper and she's a little bit upset? She's kind of standoffish and she does not want to be touched. She keeps her distance from people and she's not really a hugger. And we, something's wrong with her. She needs to get involved in the women's ministry. She needs to just let love come into her life and let her light shine. But she's so evil and she's so mean and she's so standoffish. What is wrong with her? And we will judge her. But let me tell you something. The sister could be battling a emotional stronghold. Have you ever taken the time to think that this young lady could have been raped or molested? And so because somebody else sinned, she has to battle these strongholds within herself. It wasn't her fault that she was messed with, but she's still dealing with the sin. Don't be quick to judge. Be quick to listen and slow to run in your big mouth. There's a whole lot of big mouth Marthas around here. Not waiting on God, big mouth Martha. Y'all know the story with Lazarus, right? The story of Lazarus. 
Jesus, had you been, been here, if you had just came when we called for you, he wouldn't have had that died. And I want to be honest and I want to be real. And I want y'all to, to hear me and feel me. There is no freedom unless there's truth. And so we have to speak the truth. And the truth, so I'm going to speak the truth and then I'm going to tell you the truth. So the truth is a lot of us are angry and disappointed in God. We're angry and we're disappointed in God because he didn't answer the prayer how we wanted him to. Or he has not yet answered it and we are still in delay. We're in a delayed answer. And so we are upset and disappointed in God. And that comes from false expectations because you actually thought that what you thought was going to be the plan for your life. When the Bible tells us to submit our will to God's. See, that's how you don't fall into disappointment because disappointment is nothing but an expectation not met. So stop expecting God to work out your plan and start trusting him in his plan for your life. I'm trying to teach you something here and I'm, I'm, I'll make it quick. I got four minutes. I'll wrap it up in four minutes. Here we go. Watch this. So you have you have your own personal sins, you have sins of other people, and then you have atmospheric sin, which means you keep going into this environment that is not in conducive for your growth. And so every time you find yourself in this situation, you find yourself in situations. You find yourself in situations time and time again because the environment is not conducive for your growth. See, as a young person, you're going to get to a point to where you want to go and party. And some of you are already partying. And you will understand what I'm about to say when I say it. I'm taking it down deep and I'll come up real quick. Watch this. Have you ever been somewhere that you knew you probably shouldn't have went, but you go anyway? And then you start to feel funny about it. Feel, you feel uncomfortable. You're like, I shouldn't be here. Well, let me tell you what's happening. Something is really going on right now. Something's going on in that moment. If you ever want to experience God, take the Holy Spirit somewhere you don't want to go. And we, as a people of God, will miss out on God's supernatural miracles because we're so logical. So we want to be able to see it before we see it. But in God's kingdom, you got to believe it before you see it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen, which means I believe it before I even can see it. But we are carnal-minded, so we walk by sight and not by faith. So when I can't see the way, when I can't see the plan, I back out. And then I go back to my comfort zone. And that zone is full of sin. That zone is full of less than 
Less than who you really are. Less than the blessings that God has for you. Less than what his calling is on your life. Less than, less than, less than. And if you keep subtracting, you're going to want to commit suicide. Because everything that was in you, you are now depleted. And you keep taking hits. You keep taking hits. Because your vision and your focus is off. But what we got to teach our young people, and I'm here to teach you today, and the message will be yours, is that if you want to tear down these strongholds, these emotional strongholds, you first got to get into the learning. Now, what's the learning, Brother Calhoun? The Bible tells us, or we understand through our studies, that the Old Testament is for our learning. So what is it that we need to learn? You need to learn what 2 Chronicles chapter 7 says. And God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their prayers. I will open up the floodgates and I will heal their land. What land are we asking God to heal? My mind land. My mind land. Because the problem that we're having, young people, is you keep addressing the behavior, but that behavior will never change unless you address the environment. The environment are your thoughts. The environment is your mind. And unless you get your environment right, your behavior will never change. So many of us are looking at the symptoms. I can't believe that they're addicted. I can't believe that they're doing... These are all the symptoms that they are battling. It's not the root problem. And I'm here to tell you what the root problem is. You don't read your Bible. The root problem is you don't know who you are because you don't know whose you are. Because if you really knew God and the power that he possessed, and if you really knew what he did when he made you, there's no way we will walk around here defeated. There's no way we will walk around here in strongholds. And I'm here to tell you, the Bible tells us in Matthew, that the only way that you can take the possessions out of a strong man's house is if you go in and you first bind the strong man. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I just told y'all earlier about reading the Bible and why it's imperative. Because I don't know what I thought when I read that scripture the first 30 times. Kept reading it, a strong man, and he built, and he's strong, and he's in the house. He got to tie him up, put him up. I didn't know if that was me. I didn't know if that was my neighbor. I didn't, I didn't know what the scripture meant, but I read it, loved it. Jesus said it. Mm -mm. <laughs> but the Bible tells us in all of our getting, we need to get what? Get understanding. So as I started to dig into the scriptures, I started to realize that the strong man that Jesus is talking about was Satan. And when you are outside of the will of God, when you are not in God's will, then you are in the possession of the enemy, which means that he controls you. He controls your actions because he controls your mind, because wherever the head goes, the body follows. So Jesus said, you must first bind the strong man before you can take the possessions. Well, what do you mean, Brother Calhoun? Well... On a Friday, he was getting ready for a fight. He was warming up. Yeah. 
So he started walking towards the ring. And as he was walking, they was hyping him up. Hosanna! Hosanna! He's David! Hosanna! Jesus said, I'm going to sit on a donkey. And he rode the donkey towards the ring. And I want you to know that he prepared himself for a battle. He got himself ready for a battle. But before he got ready for the battle, he had to talk to his daddy. And so he got into the garden and he said, Daddy, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. No, no, I'm not ready. And something clicked. Then he remembered who he was and whose he was. And then he said, not my will, but thine. So that stronghold that had a hold of him, he shook it off. He said, get them thoughts out of my head. He remembered Peter when Peter said, you'll never go to the cross, Jesus. I'm here for you. Get behind me, Satan. Because any voice that takes you from the will of God is not the voice of God. It's the voice of the enemy. So Jesus started, he started he getting ready. His boys ready to hit him. Then there was a payment that needed to be made. And let me say this. Church, we need to teach our kids about money because when they don't properly know how to handle money, they will improperly use themselves to get it. Financial literacy for our kids should be a priority because you put your money in what you value, what you value. So Judas, not being financially literate, sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, right? So now Jesus is headed to the fight. And everybody that was running with him, ain't nobody around. Message, young people. Stop thinking that your friends are going to the mountaintop with you. They're not. What God has for you is for you and people will bully you and they will look at you and they will laugh at you and they make fun of you because their mountaintop is not as high as yours. Help me, Holy Spirit, to wrap this up. If you would understand this, this is how you tear down strongholds. So 
you, 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 you turn from your wicked ways. You acknowledge God. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. You humble yourself. Humility. Humility is not thinking lowly of yourself like you have low self-esteem. That's not what humility is. And a lot of the church is walking around in false humility. And so you all really don't know what it looks like because they faking it. It's not that you don't embrace who you are. It's that you realize that who you are is no better than the next person in Christ. Because we're all a part of the same body. And so I don't think highly of myself because of my gift. I understand that my gift is for the rest. So in humility, you humble yourself to a point to where you don't think you're better than anybody else. You don't neglect your gift and your calling, but you don't put it above another person. Big difference. So how do I tear down strongholds? You must first humble yourself. Secondly, you must remember your position in Christ. And here it is, Ephesians 2 and 6. We have been seated. We have been seated in heavenly places. Colossians 3 and 1. Since then, we are raised with Christ. Remember your position. Now, the Bible tells us that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against principalities and authorities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now, if he created the heavens where he sits and the earth and the heavens in between, and we are seated in heavenly places with Christ by the throne, and our battle is in a heavenly place underneath the throne, then that tells me that I walk on top of my problems. How can you be in bondage to something you're above? Hear me. Jesus died for whatever you're struggling with. Nothing you've done is bad enough for God to turn his back on you. And I want you to know all the spots that you've created in your life the blood can cleanse it. So there was a fight that broke out at Calvary. Jesus took a couple of blows. I, we, it wasn't a good fight at the beginning. So much so today was like, is he really the Messiah? He getting whooped. Whooped it. So much so to where the enemy started to rejoice because he said, I have killed King Jesus. Put him in a grave. Roll a stone. Wrap him up. It's finished. 
But God sent me here to tell you today. The spirit got busy. The spirit started moving. And Jesus got up. And he took off them clothes. And he folded them up. Message, young people, clean up your room. Fold them clothes up, put them in a drawer, hang them clothes up, put them in the closet, stop throwing stuff on the floor. You're not dead. You're not dead. Clean up. Clean up. Holiness is still right. Clean up. Jesus clean. He folded. He folded up some garments. He removed the stone. And he walked out, which means he defeated the enemy. He bound the strong man, and then he came in and he took us back. Young people, understand this. If you pray to God for God to take back your mind, he will. If you pray to God for you to stop your wicked ways, I'm here to tell you that he will. And you cannot do it in your own strength, and you cannot do it in your own might. Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, God. So I'm going to end here. And I said this on Friday, and I want to say it again from the pulpit, so that you all will hear me again, and so that your parents who weren't here, they will hear me. One of the worst things that we can do is sit back and say nothing. When we have young people who are killing themselves because of bullying, because the enemy has, a, has come into the schools and come into people and, and overtaken them and started taunting and bullying people to the point to where they want to kill themselves and the church is not saying anything, that's not an indictment on the world. It's an indictment on the church. Because young people, your words connected to God have power. Your words connected to God have power. This is my last point, and the message is yours. And we're going to do the invitation. Hear me when I say this. When Jesus called Lazarus from the grave, he called him by name. Because if he had said just, come out, every dead thing, and we don't know what had died in there, would have come out from the grave. So he called them by name. He said, Lazarus, come out. But this is the part that I want you to get. When Lazarus was called from the grave and the miracle was done, the Bible says that he wasn't walking. He was stuck. He was dragging. He was still 
bound up and tied up and wrapped up. And I want you to know that even after you are baptized, you still gonna have struggles. Even when God performs a miracle in your life, you still gonna have issues. And I want you to know that it's okay to ask for help. Because that's how God designed it. God said to them, Jesus said to them, after he performed the miracle, he said, I'm performing this miracle because I want you to be involved in the supernatural. I'm, I'm performing this miracle because I want you to be a part of my miracle working power. So what did he say? He looked to them and he said, help him take off them clothes. Help him to get to where he needs to be. The message to the church today is, y'all help one another. Help one another. And the only way you can help each other is by being real with each other. By telling the truth in love. Confessing your sins one to another so that you can be healed. So we're going to start today. Oh, my, my, my. We're going to start on today. Because the truth of the matter is, God knows your dirt, and God knows you're made of dirt. You're no shock to him. So come on down here today. If you're not a child of God, then none of this makes sense. It doesn't make sense. But I will say something to you that will make sense. Life is like a game, but your soul is nothing to play with. You can be here today and gone today. And I promise you, your next appointment will be with God. And you do not want to go and present yourself to God without the blood covering you. So I'm going to tell you, if you're not a child of God today, ease on down the road. Don't you carry nothing that might be a load. Come on, ease on. Ease on down, down the road. Come down here so that God can ease your pain. Come down here so that he can ease your burdens and your load. Put on Christ. So here's what you do. You believe the gospel message that Jesus came, died, buried, and rose on the third day. You hear it, you believe it. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God. Then, in obedience, you become baptized after you repent. Repentance is confessing that your way is not right and God's way is. It's a change of mind. Change that mindset. <laughs> Be baptized. When you're baptized, then and only then are your sins forgiven. When you're baptized, then and only then are you added to the church. And when you're baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.